All right, guys, welcome back for another podcast. Uh, today, we're going to continue our swing over to process. So here we go. Welcome to the podcast. Felt like a long time. Six months is a long time. Yeah. So, all right, here we are. Six months is a long time. Six months is a long time. (laughs) Not for us because time flies when you're working hard. Yes. Um, But yeah, so. I think today, um, you know, we've been talking for the last few podcasts that we're trying to make this swing over to process. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, Ben, you brought up a pretty good point that, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be linear. I mean, we can kind of go back and forth because we still do have several things planned. I mean, um, Dr. Janessa, we got to get in, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's kind of a special guest. Um, there's a new thing uh, that we actually developed uh, that we referring to as the star chart. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are still some things that can be used in the education system, but it all kind of intertwines with one another. Um well, yeah, I mean, everything is just one big solution. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. And that's, I, I know we've said it on multiple occasions, but it kind of all has to be together yeah. to the, for the most part. I mean, you can do some things without the others, but ultimately it's all, you had made the, it was, I, it was not a joke, but we think about it jokingly now. It's like, well, where do we start yeah. with everything? Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's true. It's, yeah, it's the spider on the web like you can feel right. it all you know and um that actually came up in conversation i was um having a conversation with two, two people at work um the other day and it was just that they had asked me like how is it that you can actually see all of this stuff intertwined and interconnected mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know it just comes to me yeah. you know it's like but <clears throat> but the reality is it's we've you know 13 14 15 years of following the trends and following the patterns of not just um, successes. And that's why I keep saying like, I wake up, I wake up every day, a failure. Yeah. Like that's my goal. I, if I wake up a failure then I find some way in which I can better myself for that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, when I've, you know, from the education system to core values and culture and all that kind of stuff, it was basically like we'd said before, it's just being in work environments where you didn't have those things or, you know, with like the review system, it was just always run like crap for a few years. And it's like, you just can't, you know, you just have that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I, 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 I always had ideas, um, as a young veteran and as a young person, but as a young veterinarian, um, but I think in some capacity, the inexperienced ideas are almost very narrow scoped. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of when we talk about the difference between, um, systems and practical thinking, I think as you, I don't want to say everyone, but as you make a trend through your career and you're learning from mistakes and you're not afraid of mistakes and you can comfortably fail, I think eventually you get over to a system side. If, if you have a constant growth mindset, I think you get to a point where you see interconnectivity. Well, because there's, yeah, there, there's a level of comfortability that's necessary because to get to that point does require time and patience. Yeah. If you don't have that natural s- skill set, which most people don't actually yeah. have that as a natural skill set. It is something that is trained um, because if you think about it from a biological perspective, if you lean just into what is natural, it tends to be very short-minded right, because yeah. you let the emotional system run amok of your own brain. Yeah. But 
to to be able to get up into the the front prefrontal cortex and all sure. that. Like we could get sure. into the actual biology yeah. of it if you really wanted to, but yeah. um, that does require it's a it's a muscle. Yeah. That's, that, when I had originally come on with the consulting stuff and was looking at the dimensions of thought, yeah. that was the best way that it was ever worded to me. Is that all three. Uh, between empathy, practical, and systems can yeah. all be flexed. They can all be worked. They can all become, you can become better at all three of those ways of thinking. However, you need to be of conscious thought to do so. Yeah. Uh, same as you have to be of conscious work to, you know, build muscle. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think you're exactly that short sighted part to it. Like I, I, I say this in exam rooms a lot of time when I'm looking at a disease that I know is going to be a long term managed problem, I always say it's about rushing to a stop sign yeah you know like why are you speeding to a stop sign like if you know there's going to be a stop point or you know there's going to be essentially the stop is a barrier right mm -hmm. so if you're rushing to a barrier try to figure out a way to overcome that before you get there if you can see it coming rather than just saying well what um I think the example I had this weekend was um, a really, really poor off respiratory patient. Um, and when we, one of the ways in which you can gauge severity of respiratory disease is through pulse oximetry. Some mm -hmm. people are aware of that when you get the little red thing on your finger when you go into the doctor. Um, but the idea is that atmospheric oxygen is about 30%. Our lungs and cardiovascular system and blood is so efficient that we look at 100% concentration of the bloodstream. Uh, it's an exponential decline. So the drop from 100 to 90 is not the same as 90 to 80. It's an exponential decline, not linear. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But anyway, so I tell people 92 is our number, right? So um, basically what it had come down to was saying that if we have a patient coming in in the mid to high 70s, um, we can't think about necessarily how in this five minutes or how in this five hours am I going to get this patient from the 70s to the 90s, you know, because that, that was the whole talk because the, the, the people were in triage for probably about four hours. Well, what is it now? Is it, is, you know, 75? Is it 79 now? That means it's getting better. Oh, mm -hmm. oh it's 76. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I'm, it's 86. Now it's 83. And I'm like, hold on a second here. We're, 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 we're looking at just the practical numbers. We didn't, we're not talking about how we got here. Mm -hmm. If we get to the nineties, how are you going to stop or prevent from even coming back? What's the long-term management? So like you said, it's that flex, you yeah. know, and saying like you have these very short term rush to the stop sign. Let's rush to this number. Let's get this one value better. Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, what are you going to do with the road after you get past the stop sign? How yeah. much more distance is there? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. We start to look at all of this and the interconnectivity of all these different things. You're exactly right. It's just a flex it's saying well mm -hmm. are you are you thinking about just the day-to-day -day and can you get out of the day-to-day -day? Mm -hmm. um and that's where as we kind of lead into this next into this particular podcast where we're kind of kind of making that transition over to process um it's our four big points on is it short-term or is it long-term thought mm -hmm. and uh and basically our variables here are going to be quantity uh so in our cases it's quantity of cases or quantity of invoices quantity of patients mm -hmm. um to then the quality of care so quality is just how good are we doing are the success like the cases that are supposed to be successes, are they successful? Mm -hmm. um, I think is probably the best way of looking at quality. Mm -hmm. um, and then certainly then just availability when you're there to um, exercise uh, quality or quantity and then the affordability. So that's going to be kind of the main topic today is quantity, quality, availability, and affordability. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where, again, like I said, to look at this interconnectivity um, basically boils down to is can you see all the players? Mm -hmm. Right. And we've kind of already talked about some of this stuff because we've we've referred to the, the high quantity, low quality, and high quality, low quantity practice as kind mm -hmm. of the, the two stalwarts yeah. in the yeah, industry. Yeah, the two opposite. Right? Yeah, yeah. Those polar opposites, um, yeah. Where in, and you're catering in both of those 
uh, type of business constructions as like your top 20% and probably your bottom 40, probably. roughly. Um, but both of those uh, freely exist in the marketplace as a general rule. Yeah. Um, there are ones that do operate outside of that. But generally speaking, mm-hmm. like if you look at a top bottom practice, it's going to be low quantity and then pushing yeah. towards high quality and then yeah. vice versa with your, the fixes ins and, yeah, and sure. all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff or just, yeah. just putting out the bulk load. Yeah, getting out the numbers. Um, um, again, kind of getting into the same place as from a, from a numbers perspective mm-hmm. at the end of the day, but uh, different ways of getting there. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. As far as yeah revenue generated for the business or right. the practice. Yeah. It's, right. uh, you know, with the many roads lead to Rome, mm-hmm. you know, they're all roads lead to Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but with that, um, one of the things that as you, we were, you know, kind of developing the, the middle structure here is like, well, we have to actually do both Yeah, is to maintain quality, but also to increase quantity because this is the, the, um, the thing that is typically one of the biggest barriers in the profession as a whole is clinics not being able to handle quantity. Correct. Um, I know we've talked about it a few different times, but basically they get stuck in their schedule for many and various reasons. Sure, sure. Yeah, um, appointments or, yeah, whatever it is, blocks, however yeah. they do it, yeah. But that's that being one of the biggest barriers, one of their biggest stopping points uh, mm-hmm. from an industry-wide type of rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. And for, for us, it's like, well, we just don't say no, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think, actually, um, I kind of get these little clips from Gary Vee every once in a while, but one of them was he was talking about how 7-Eleven is dead. They just don't know it yet. And oh. when you, yeah, and that, and again, you guys can look it up and yeah. uh, if we can find it, even I'll link, link it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but basically the idea is, is that that idea of going into, um, a convenience store like that, especially with, um, between Amazon and, you know, uh, digitization and, and next day shipment and so on. So we're getting to a point where the need to actually go into a, a, a small convenience store like that is, is, is dead yeah. now, not today. Yeah. Probably in 15 years. Yeah. So for him, he's like anybody who's considering the convenience store business at this point, just plan for what your business is going to be in 15 years and start it right now. Yeah. That was, I don't know if he said it in those words, but it was basically, that was the context Mm -hmm. is assume that that is dead. That's my exact feeling on day practice. Yeah. We have, when we have students, um, you know, through the university or uh, shadows or whatever it is, it's like, well, I'm interested in general medicine. Hold on here. Uh, what you think is probably general medicine or day practice, assume that is dead. You just don't know it yet. And a lot of the people in that setting don't actually know that it's dead. Mm-hmm. And that's when we kind of talk about the three roads. We talk about um, tradition, uh, corporate practice, and then what we're doing as PAW. And when we start to look at saying, you know, if it, it, like you had said just a moment ago, the idea of being locked or having a schedule where that schedule is based on appointments is dead. Mm-hmm. The, our profession can't support it and it won't support it forever. Mm-hmm. Um, those clinics are essentially going to fade out because the interconnectivity between appointment slots is public relations, customer service, quality, you know, those types of things. Um, I had a, as a, as, as when, to drive the point, um, you know, one of the online forums, uh, I was reading, this kind of comes up every once in a while where, um, a veterinarian uh, had a full appointment slot for the day. Very common for all of our colleagues, right? Yep. A full appointments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they have a 
uh, system where if you come in with same day sick, right? Um, so we have our normal appointment, which, you know, whatever their thing was, it was maybe $80 uh, or something for the medical appointments. And they're like, but if it's same day sick and they have to adjust their schedule, there was another $100 uh, emergency exam fee. Mm-hmm. And basically that had transpired, everything completed transaction completed patient went home whatever it is and this veterinarian was posting on this particular group saying i can't believe this client is speaking ill of me on social media basically had sent this letter to the practice saying you know how dare you guys i've I've come there for the last 15 years with my patients and, you know, I'm, I'm there routinely. I have my appointments and when I'm sick, I get charged an extra hundred dollars. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was this, it was basically the customer service side. Right. Yeah. And I'm just saying like, why is it that we have to pay more? And the veterinarian, cause the base of the veterinarian had posted the uh, screenshots of the chat, yeah. um, trying to validate themselves. And basically the argument was, you know, the veterinarian saying, well, don't you know that, you know, uh, you know, most of my colleagues are considering suicide and don't you know that I have a high student debt load and don't you and like it was basically in 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 a certain respect it was a victimization mindset right look at all of these things that are affecting me negatively in my life Mm -hmm. um, and you need to feel bad for me all of the things that the veterinarian had said in that slot had nothing to do with why they were actually charging an extra hundred dollars for a same day sick patient it was just how dare you talk to me about money and I think that's where you know, when we start to get into these things of saying, well, you guys are in it for the money, you know, and you're just there for the money is it's like, well, it's kind of an ironic conversation because on one hand you have the individual as a client saying, you guys are in it for the money. And then the veterinarian's like, well, if you didn't care about money, it wouldn't be about the money. You're the one who's making it about the money. We're here to provide a service and the mm-hmm. service is, uh, you know, here to be paid for. So, um, for me, it's like, I, think that system is broken. Mm -hmm. That system should no longer exist. The system where we should have these blocked appointments and anyone else who disrupts the day is then somehow disparaged. Mm -hmm. That's why your traditional day practice is dead is because when we start and they don't know it yet, it's because it all comes back to disparagement is that the appointment slots and the, the block appointments, these 20 minute appointments is an opportunity for us to disparage our clientele. And it's an opportunity for us to not serve the patient because if we say that we're going to upcharge $100 for same-day sick appointments when you're already in the clinic, we're not talking about 3 a.m. calls, right? right? We're talking about you're already in the clinic, have the availability to see appointments. So you're there, you are available, but you are now making your service unaffordable. Mm-hmm. I would rather take that $100 that they would have spent on the exam fee, put it towards blood work, put it towards x-rays, mm-hmm. put it towards some other thing is you have just now limited your ability to actually treat this patient and or diagnose this patient because you have this policy because you're locked into block scheduling. Right. That's why the profession is dying. Mm-hmm. So if we look at for us, I mean, it's $75, 2 a.m., 2 p.m. It doesn't matter. You can come in whenever you want. It's $75 for our medical appointments, 65 for surgical appointments. Mm-hmm. So, and that's where when we say we start to look at the way in which we are not able to handle quantity, it's because we're locked into this old scheduling system. I was going to say, you just, you just knocked off all four, right? Yes. So you're decreasing quantity because you're deterring people away. When they show up, you're decreasing quality because you're absorbing funds for absolutely no reason. Correct. You're becoming less available and you're becoming mm-hmm. less affordable. You just boom, all four just because of a scheduling thing. Yeah, because yeah, because of the computer system. Right. right. Be- because well, policy it's a, in, it's the yeah. perception that um, 
the and it, it really the the idea of an appointment only system to me just isn't is a in a direct attack to a growth mindset yes because it's like no I have to abide by this system therefore I can't grow outside of it yes and with that you are just you're eliminating not even just like just disregarding but eliminating entirely opportunity to do your job and do your job better. Yeah. Yeah. The computer system and the schedules, I don't want to say just the computers are the fault. Cause I'm, <laughs> I mean, AI technology is a different conversation. Um, but for, uh, we're not, right there. <laughs> we're not there for the computer system and for the scheduling policies, we'll say. So the uh, computer system is just a vehicle for the right. scheduling policies, right. um, is yeah, exactly. That is the the policies are both, um, the rescuer and the persecutor. Yeah. You know, so yep. it's, well, you know, we can't do anything more because the system is limiting our ability to do it. And we can't do more because that's our scheduling policy. Um, but it's also going to rescue me from actually having to see more cases today. Right. You know, because in the end, I'm still a victim to this process and everyone's a victim to the process. Mm -hmm. The medical team is a victim to the process. And that's where I said it's, it's intertwined into public relations and, you know, all these different parts to it because it basically just gives you the opportunity for like you said to fail on pretty much all four right right so then taking that then you kind of turn it on its head right yeah. just as one key variable within that mm -hmm. it's like okay well we see this as a direct attack to the four variables that we want to improve on on a day-to-day -day yeah. basis so how do we do that well we've essentially eliminated it yeah entirely um, entirely and, and and we we still do within our triage order have pre-scheduled appointments yes but you know if, when i'm taking those phone calls or have those people in front of me it's yeah. like you're still subject to a triage yeah. order. I just want you to be aware of that. Yeah. And that, that honestly for us is a growing pain. Yeah. So for is. us to go from being, you know, exclusively emergency to then integrating in you know, any type of walk-in care um, and then kind of flipping over to integrating wellness into that yep. and long-term ailment management as well, mm -hmm. um, integrating that into um, our standard schedule, um, you know, <coughs> it's space. Yep. So can you, you know, basically, can you have enough staff? Can you have enough doctors? Can you have enough appointments, uh, uh, exam rooms, uh, which we call education rooms? Do you have enough uh, uh, triage area to actually handle these patients, to store these patients? Um, so for us, I ideally, what you would end up running um, at the end, the end goal, that's why I said it's a growing pain for us currently to stick ailment and wellness into the triage order. Um, Long-term plan is, no, you basically start to run these separate services. Yeah. So you then start, you know, it's like, would expect on the human side you have one facility where oh okay these doctors are dedicated to those pre-scheduled appointments pre-scheduled wellness we have whole teams dedicated as uh, uh, certified technicians and medical support staff uh, my ideal uh, setting is one veterinarian with um, three uh, certified or veterinary nurses and three medical support this is not including clerical staff this is just one veterinarian directing six people right under them um, that's an ideal way to run uh, wellness that's an mm -hmm. ideal way to run uh, outpatient uh, walk-in, you know, um, and then same thing from a dental standpoint. Dental needs to be its own service entirely. We have one veterinarian and six people under them from uh, induction to recovery to cleanings to, you know, all that stuff. So one to six for me, not including clerical staff. So one to six for me is sort of that ideal team. Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. Currently, it's a growing pain. Currently, it's a temporary right. problem in saying we just have to try to make sure you coming in, you're aware mm -hmm. that some of the things today on the walk-in basis are a little bit more severe than yeah. your pre-scheduled recheck ears. Right, right. You know? and, and with all of that, too, the thing that I think 
I really like about our team and the way that we communicate and the way that we take these problems is it's not like we see the fact that there is a growing pain included in that. Right. Yeah. And it's not the mindset that's like, I don't want to realize that pain. Therefore I'm going to maintain. Yeah. It's like, no, we're going to, we're going to muscle into it a little yeah. bit and then see where we are. I was actually watching a, a YouTube video yesterday. Uh, it was Jordan Peterson just doing sure. a seminar or something like that. And he was talking about the idea that, um, you can understand a set of variables where you are today. However, if you engage any one of those variables, the way that you are going to perceive them tomorrow is going to be different. So don't assume that you have the right answer. Yes. Just go out and try because yes. anything that's worth doing is worth yes. doing poorly. Yeah. And that has been the pain, right? It is actually um, implementing our triage order at 100% effectiveness on a consistent basis. That's the pain. Yeah. How do we do that? How do we have the right people here at the right times yeah. and all that sort of stuff? Yeah. It's not that it's the wrong um, desire to yeah. fully implement. It's yeah. just the how. Exactly. And that, that I think, yeah, exactly right. You know, so when we start to talk about, let's just focus, let's, let's take that as a segue into just availability and affordability. Yeah. We will leave quantity and quality alone for just a moment. Yep. But we're going to talk just on availability maybe not even affordability, just friggin' availability. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's one of the, the key points here is it's like, you know, if you have, um, like for me, um, an ideal um, basically wellness team is you have a doctor with six support staff, not including clerical staff, we're talking medical staff alone. Mm -hmm. um, and they are running uh, three 12 hour shifts a week. Mm -hmm. And in those three, uh, I'm sorry, 12 hour shifts, only 10 of them are seeing appointments. Mm -hmm. So in a 12 hour day, you're only working 10 hours. Mm -hmm. So in that 10 hours, you can, you know, you have an additional two hours to either get your charts done or to, um, you know, give a little bit more time to a case that might need it or eat. eat. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> just take a moment. Uh, but you always guarantee to have four days off per week if you're just right. working threes. Now, basically you run two of those teams. Yep. So one for three days, the next team for three days. So yep. in a six day work week, mm -hmm. um, and basically what, um, you know, I, 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 to then say, all right, how are we going to find the veterinarian who's going to work three twelves, and how are we going to then find the support staff, six support staff members per veterinarian to work three twelves, mm -hmm. simply because we're trying to be available for the clientele who needs our help because the majority of people, I mean, like it or not, post 2008 to 2010, most people can't take time off work, yep. you know, especially not to go in for shots on their dog. Like, right. and that's where, when you look at, like, um, <clears throat> you know, what Walmart is going to kick out a uh, hundred veterinary clinics, uh, uh, in the next five years, uh, Walmart. I, yeah. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. No. Yes. Walmart uh, has the plan of putting a hundred veterinary clinics into Walmarts or at least adjacent to it in the next five years. Oh, I didn't so, know that. yeah. So thinking about that from a, you know, I guess from a, uh, an availability standpoint, if these are simply vaccine clinics, right? Well, sure. I mean, they have the pockets to just throw money at yeah. veterinarians and technicians. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, again, maybe 200 veterinarians and, yeah, you know, 600 support staff, you know, mm -hmm. nationwide. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, they pay that money seven times yeah. just to run out vaccines all day. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with running out vaccines all day. Wellness is incredibly important, but mm -hmm. I'm just saying they're 
capitalizing and sort of monetizing this idea that how do you find these people and how do you get them to work and how do you get them to see these appointments simply because they're trying to play the availability game. Yeah. They're just there. Yeah. They're there when people need them. Mm -hmm. They're there after work. Mm -hmm. um, so if, and that's why, again, I come back to saying that day practice is dead. They yeah. might just not know it yet yeah. is that the nine to five is dead. Yeah. The eight to four is dead. And that's not just veterinary no. clinics. I mean, yeah. the, what is the most frustrating thing for most people is when the bank closes at four 30 on Friday, <laughs> right. like, come on. Yeah. I literally just said last week, uh, someone was, uh, I said bankers hours. Yes. You know, I was yes. like, that's an actual like bankers hours. Yeah. Cause that's their banking hours, you know, which is ridiculous. Yes. It's, it's done. It's done. It's done. Yeah. Um, and that's where, when we start to look at saying like, if, if we can plan for the business that we need to have in 10 to 15 years and do it right now, then we're going to be so far ahead of the curve. Yeah. But if we're saying that the scheduling policies is one particular barrier um, to kind of, and saying that's just how many block and how many appointments we're going to see today, the next is then that availability barrier. Mm -hmm. I'm only going to work until five, yeah. but I can almost guarantee you, um, you know, without being somewhat liable, but I can almost guarantee you that if you have a clinic that runs um, basically three twelves, mm -hmm. you're going to see an incredible amount of clientele after four o'clock. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we have on, you know, just for us being open 24 hours, we see that cycle. The, the phone goes nuts at four 30 <laughs> every day, every single day, regardless <laughs> of day of the week, yeah. time of year. Yeah. Doesn't matter. It's, it's, it, it, and it's ironic because it's at our shift change. Of course. So it's right. like whoever is coming in up front at four o'clock, <laughs> yeah. just like ring, 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 ring. Right. It's just, you're, you're just, just trying hit. to get through rounds and it's like, damn it. Yeah. Phone. Yep. Um, but it's, but it, yeah, it's absolutely just, a, it's, it's a, it is a guaranteed yeah. rule mm -hmm. that that's going to be realized. Yeah. And even if it's, even if it's a 10 to 10, Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, that is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, any extended hours, not 24 hours, but an extended hours practice, yeah. a 10 to 10, three days a week, a 10 to 10, four days a week, yeah. um, that, that there's an amazing amount of potential in there from a business standpoint, mm -hmm. simply because you're what? available. Right. You right. Know, don't, don't change anything nope. besides just being more available. Yes. But then it comes back down to how we got onto this is how do you find those people, yeah. you know? And yeah. I think that's when we start to look at this kind of traditional idea day practice. I don't think as a profession, we are yet willing to accept that the profession is dead and that we need to move on to the next thing, mm -hmm. you know? Cause I mean, it's not like death is always fast. Sometimes it's really slow and painful, mm -hmm. you know, but if we accept that, that, nope, this traditional route is done. Yeah. The corporate route should really honestly never have existed in our profession and it will continue to kill our colleagues if, if, if corporate medicine is the only other alternative. Mm -hmm. So when we look at sort of the Paul way and saying like, no, if you just accept, again, what is on our industry overview, but the interconnectedness of all these problems, you know, we can, and, and solutions, I guess as well, mm -hmm. is we can start to chunk out any one of these pieces and become successful. Right. Has significantly improve. Now what? Quality. Mm -hmm. um, when, I, when I was going through school, I think I was telling you this just a little while ago, when I was going through school, there was a big taught a Marriott practice. Marriott practice was like the term that was, you know, that was really big into the early 2000s. Um, and it was basically the idea of a, of a top bonded practice where um, high expenses 
was then going to be connected to a high perception of value. Right. So it was just the idea that if you charge more for your services, people will assume you are doing a better job. Mm -hmm. um, now, again, there's kind of a break point on that. It can't mm -hmm. be, you know, uh, 20 times your competition, but we're right. saying that, um, and we see that here in our referring district. We have some clinics where um, there's one where it's, it's kind of that same idea where like their same day sick appointments, I think are like $125 or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in there mm -hmm. once you configure all their different add-ons and everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, even from what we see when those cases are referred to us from a medical workup, you know, diagnostically to treatments to so on and so forth, we look through it and it's like, man, this was actually really not that good a quality work. Mm -hmm. It wasn't bad, but it was like, man, they spent a lot of these people's money and it mm -hmm. just, there wasn't a ton of value there, mm -hmm. but the clients and the clientele who come from these one or two practices that I'm referring to, a high amount of dedication to the practice. Right. Like in their brain, they actually believe, well, I spent this much on care, which means I got so much value for my money on that. Right. And then it's like us looking from the inside out. It's like, ooh, I could have spent at least 300 of that dollars a different way that actually would have served your patient. But that's the curiosity about value. Yes. Is it's all in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> yes. It's like artwork, right? Yeah. It's as much as you'll pay for yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So like with that one, I, I actually know an individual that, or a couple of individuals that came from there and then realized yes. that they were just getting railroaded. <laughs> yeah. And because um, I they ended up on a wellness plan sure. for a couple of their patients and all that sort of stuff, and I was yeah. like, "How how do you like this? Like, what yeah. was your experience? feedback? Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I'm it's brand new. Tell yeah. me what your thoughts are." And they're like, "Well, these tech these tech appointments for the boosters that we're here to receive, yeah. well, they cost three times as much for each one of our our patients." Yeah. At the previous place that we were doing yeah, this at. we so charged $15. Yeah, and yeah. So they were 45 a piece and they had four patients. Yeah, $45 per patient per tech appointment. Correct. Yes. Okay. So they were dropping $180 walking in the door yep. for boosters. Sure. Not including, Not including the yes. boosters. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's something. Right. And I understand that there's time and all that, but like. Sure. You know, they were like, yeah, we really were like, you know, these high quality techs, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. We really thought it was something. Then it's like, well, we got here and then it's like the same, if not better. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, because I think they came in the first time on a on a on a sick patient. They did. That, yeah, yeah, I think I know who you're referring to. But yeah. yeah, they did. And then that had come up and they're like, yeah. well, you know, we might as well take a peek at it. Yeah. And it was it was weirdly like because I think it was the first time I ever asked somebody their feedback on a wellness plan. Too, sure. Right. And yeah. it was like, wow, that was really well timed. Yeah, right. but that yeah, that perception of value is like you know I have my watch. I don't know how much my watch costs because it was a gift, but like right. it's not a Rolex. Yeah, right. But it still tells time. It still tells time. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's a weird thing again, kind of going into the 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 natural creation of a hierarchy. I think that's yeah. really what it plays into, right? It's yeah. like, well, I'm better than this caregiver. Yes. There, I feel more superior because yeah. my wallet can float this better than them, yeah. and I'm giving better care or best care yeah. to my dog or yeah. cat, and this yeah. person isn't. Oh, no, I, I, I thought you about I had a client like that, didn't I? It was just, it was multiple. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was this. It was this elderly lady. She was like probably in her uh, early eighties, and she had basically said to me, "She's like, I have the money to pay for all of the services today, so I expect a higher quality than anyone else who's here." Right. I think I think I talked yeah. about it in a previous podcast. Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> tough part is everyone's treated as equals regardless of how much money you have. Yeah. Um, but in, in any event, but and um, those actually turn into some of the more difficult consultations that you have. Yeah. Not not even when the ones that they don't say that, but yeah. like. 
I've, I know that I've walked into treatment and I've said, Hey guys, like, yeah. you know, kind of, you might have to walk on eggshells with this one a little yeah. bit because these, their bond spectrum from a financial perspective yes. is higher. So yeah. their expectations compared to most everybody else that's here is different. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it's, it's the it's the weight you get to throw when you have money, right? You know, right. Or at least which, the perception of Which that. is funny because in our building means almost nothing. Yeah, practically nothing. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, we're still going to do our jobs appropriately. Whether right. we have $100 or $100,000, we're yeah. still going to be touching on informed consent. We're yep. still going to be trying to figure out the most effective way to serve your patient. Mm-hmm. We're still going to be trying to educate you as best as we can because we're not rushing to the stop sign. We're saying there is a stop sign ahead of us. Let's get to it and figure out what we're going to do on the further road as we go mm-hmm. regardless yeah you know so it's equality you know across right. the board and i actually had that conversation with an individual who was on the other side of that spectrum um just a couple days ago where he was like you know he had a, a, a patient that he wasn't really sure if it was sick or not yeah. and it, it had been recent like one of its um they had another one that had recently passed away it was yeah. just like i'm just worried but i don't really have a whole lot of money i was like well we'll start with this exam and consultation portion we'll tell you everything that's potentially in front of you yeah. here and it's going to be a very very guided yeah. based on exam and yeah. patient history acquisition because yeah. that's going to be all included in yeah. it yeah and um, from there, like you can stop at that point. If that's right. all you can handle and all you need is information so you can go home mm-hmm. and make an educated decision beyond just like you knowing what this process is, you're more than welcome and absolutely able to do that. Yep. And in he was like relieved Yeah. where it was like, well, I, I don't know specifically what I'm going to do as the end of this phone call comes yeah. around, but it's like, yeah, man, like come on in. Like yeah. at any point, just yeah. like we'll start there and allow yeah. you the... the um, ability to make an educated decision yeah. because I can't triage your patient over the phone. You're correct. I cannot do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we can talk about the poor uh, implementation of that idea all probably for the next eight to 12 hours sure, if we really sure, wanted sure. to. But yeah. it, it was, it was the relief of him not only knowing the availability side where it's like, no, absolutely mm-hmm. come on. And I'm not going to charge you anything extra just because you're just calling me right now and wanting to show up in 10 minutes. Um, but right. also on the affordability side, like we're pushing really, really hard to make all of these things as affordable as possible Absolutely. within reason, yep. right? Like everything yeah, we're does not giving it away, that. but no. It's, yeah. Um, and, and that's, uh, but, it, but again, it is available and in front of you and it's on an educated decision-making basis. It's yeah. not just arbitrary labs right. that we think everyone should get like, right. You know, if, yeah, the, the quote unquote minimum database, as it were. Right, yeah. right. Which again is uh, it's technically part of informed consent to at least discuss the minimum database. Right, but, but not every patient that rolls in the right. door is automatically getting a chem six. Correct. Like yeah. even though it's very baseline right. and would provide more valuable information and Some is man. not terribly um, uh, expensive, no. we still don't do it. Yeah. Like there's there's no. There, yeah, if you don't, if you can't justify it, you know, and that's, I think, I think what I said, the Caroline, wasn't it Caroline's the one before yeah. where I was like, yeah. you know, you have three rule outs and one test, yeah. you know, so it's it, part of that conversation point. And sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off, you know, right. I mean, you, you just, again, some of it's that guesswork involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all of that yeah. comes co- uh, quality. Correct. Right? Yes. So yes. then creating that, with the thing that we had talked about a lot with Caroline was creating value. Yeah. Well, that's where, qual- that's where quality is perceived yeah. is, is in the, in, in the cases that, should be successes yes. is um, making sure that you get the get to the ability to create success yes. and then ultimately realizing it. And I, I, I specifically separate those two things because 
your ability to communicate as a one yes. person to another person is a potential barrier yes. to the realization of actual patient care success. Correct. So you have to be good on both sides. And yeah. that's again, why we have that informed consent process yeah. um, and not limiting availability also, because it's like, what is, what are, because I think ultimately at the end of the day, when you look at quantity, availability, affordability, our goal is quality. Right. It's, it's to, it is to see it on a, a, a high quantity basis and to continue to be able to have a system that can handle high quantity. Yeah. But the, the last thing that we want to see go down is, is quality. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I, I can, uh, we can actually convert yeah. one of our drawings over, but yeah. yeah, you're exactly right. Like our goal is, I mean, and again, guys, I'll have this um, chart up there, but it's basically uh, between quality and quantity. It's the Y axis and the X axis, so vertical and the horizontal axis for Ben. Um, <laughs> <Check ass. laughs> um, you know, as if we look at, you know, quantity on the horizontal plane and then quality on the vertical plane. Um, yeah. It's like, if you, if you are in a setting where you have both a low, quantity and low quality practice setting where it's like you just aren't doing great at either you don't yeah. have a lot of business and the business you're doing just isn't that effective or yeah. successful um the natural trend immediately is don't increase in quantity yeah. don't do anything that's going to affect the number of cases you're going to see because it's just going to make every hour that much more difficult if you just don't have good quality of care mm -hmm. and again some of the quality again can be defined as you know ability to diagnose ability to treat successful diagnoses successful treatments i mean uh, pr customer service right i was gonna say know. quality can be defined yeah, so many different in many ways. ways yeah so if you were saying that the first thing you have to do in a low quantity low quality practice is get it up to a same quantity higher quality that's the first benchmark yeah get your quality up right but then what happens even if you have zero per zero dollars in your advertising budget nobody has an advertising budget and you don't put any money into it and now your quality goes up you're going to increase quantity yeah it's just what's going to happen word of mouth does work so when you look at that and then saying, well, you have basically th four tracks, essentially, like the ideal circumstances when you go from low quality, low quantity up to high quality, same quantity, you want to just go completely horizontal plane. You mm -hmm. want to maintain that quality and just increase on quantity so you don't have any drop in quality at all. Yeah. Well, that's not realistic. It's right. Yes. Right. It's, it, it's, it's, it's damn near it's impossible. The, it's the mark to hit. Yeah, but right. it's not going to happen. Right. So what you have to accept then is saying, okay, if we're, remember, I, I wake up every day as a failure. Mm -hmm. So if I understand that I'm going from a low quantity, low quality practice, and I'm just going to jump up the quality, we're just going to do a better job. And then as we start to increase in quantity, accepting the fact that you have already failed on quality, that you're going to have a drop in quality as quantity goes up, um, try to mitigate that. Mm -hmm. So what quality are we accepting? So one of the things we just actually got back from our, one of the referring veterinarians in the area was the quality of our medical record system. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> it was a matter of continuity of drugs administered to, um, you know, what was actually discussed from an informed consent standpoint. I think one of the points of contention were uh, whether or not we were sending records over to say a patient had been euthanized and then they would yeah. call back to see how the patient was doing, right. but it was euthanized. Cl it was kind clerical of, process. Yes. Yeah. Clerical mm -hmm. process. Yep. Mm -hmm. So saying, oh, well, in, by that definition, yes, our operations have come down. Our, our clarity in our paperwork has come down. And, and I see that as being an acceptable amount of drop in quality. Mm -hmm. 
because the quality of our care did not change. Right. It was just the clarity by which we were able to give that information out. And that then touches on so many different things. What's the veterinarian's uh, computer literacy, mm-hmm. you know, understanding, not even just computer literacy, but understanding of current management software, if it's different than something they had used in the past. So that's why when we say that quality is going to drop, you just have to focus on which quality variables is most important. And, and for, for us, it's serve the patient, <laughs> serve the patient. It all comes right back to that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, so that's where, you know, when you guys, when you look at the chart, it's saying you're going to have several things dropping off. And when you yeah. say that you go up on quality and let's say your quality goes up and your quantity changes a very small amount and quality just hits the fucking floor again. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, why did quality drop so hard on uh, clarity of process to, um, you know, way in which we serve, way in which we educate, you know, so you can, you can take those variables. But then if you start to anticipate some of these, before you even have a drop in quality, if you anticipate some of these variables are going to go down, you start to slow that trend, mm-hmm. um, then we find what is ultimately the break point in process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where, for some people, it's just a little bit increase in quality. But what we've been doing over the last several years of ownership is, and it, it's rather fortuitous, but I said that 2019 to 2020 was going to be our break year. Mm -hmm. So between last year and this year, it was if we, you know, starting out in 2015, we have less than four years to to fix process, Mm -hmm. to maintain quality, and then expect we're going to have a significant jump in quantity. And I think even, I mean, you have the numbers, even from 2018 to 2019, was it a 28% growth? 20, yeah, 26.6% in just caseload. Yeah, yes. Between 2018 to 2019 and between 2017 to 2019, and it was almost a hundred percent. Yes, a hundred percent increase in quantity from seventeen to uh, in two 18. years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. For, and then that two-year span. Yeah. 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 So yeah, huge. We, we, du- we doubled in two years just in caseload alone. Yes. yes. So looking at now, last year we closed right and about stress the hell out of our process. Yeah. The whole process, <laughs> and that was where we had worked on process, knowing that it was going to fail. Like that's why I always say I make rules with the intent of breaking them. Like right. it's just this process. I understand that quality is going to come down with quantity. That's the whole idea and stressing the system. Yeah. Um, um, is of the 99,447 cases that we saw in 2019, we had less than 12 complaints. Right. So right. Yeah, now, again, that's ones that have come to us formally. Maybe there's people who said stuff and there's just a sly comment online or some shit. It. Yeah. It's 50. <laughs> right, right. Out, out of almost 10,000. Right. Yeah, it's not even 1%. Right. You know, it's less, it's like, oh, one, it's a significantly, yeah, few. So for us to say that we're seeing, you know, almost 10 K in cases and we don't even have a fraction of a percent of drop in quality Mm -hmm. at that point for me, it kind of becomes semantics Mm -hmm. and saying like, well, so we get this, uh, you know, negative feedback from a referring veterinarian saying, we know your paperwork's not clear. You know, with these three doctors, we're having more problems than we're having with those three doctors. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some of it has to do with medical, some of it has to do with clarity. It's like, no, I get that. This is always an opportunity for us to take that feedback and for us to grow, but it's not a crippling amount of feedback. Right, right. It's not stopping us in our tracks. Correct. For another example that's similar to that, but from a different source, is we have our um, rapport, our our appointment management system, right? Well, part of that is when we have emails, we do get review requests directly through there. Every single appointment, and then also what's the one that Rachel does? 
Uh, Womply. Womply. Yeah. yeah. So we have two, so two review two request systems yeah. that are, are that are that are in, one engaging by email, caregivers. One by phone, right? yeah. yeah. They're both engaging caregivers on on uh, feedback. So yeah. positive, negative, whatever. Like yeah. here's your platform. Right. Uh, let us know. Yeah, get it back. And uh, recently, the rapport one, which is the email one, had come sure. over kind of towards my responsibility and just managing oh, sure, that. Sure. Sure. And like for me, the the guy who's a ninety nine I sure experience creator and yes. like I, I I I can handle criticism. However, like yes. for me, it's like oh my god, I need to fix this. Yeah, because it's just the exposure, and it's yeah. like these little yeah. just might just minutia. Yeah, and it's like I absolutely want to improve all of these things. Yeah. However, still in the back of my head, it's like well. I'm prioritizing consistently on serve the patient. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah you, you I absolutely, I want to yeah. improve whatever process that is, Yeah. but it may come fifth, eighth, 12th, 100th yeah. in the list. One of my significant barriers as a veterinarian. Um, and I think this actually came up a few podcasts ago. Uh, one of my, one of my barriers that I know is there is that, um, I focus more on serving the patient than I do caring about the caregiver. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I understand yeah. for me as an individual, that's a barrier. And I think yeah. a part of that has to do with empathy, right? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and again, it's a muscle I yeah. can flex. So I know I'm working on it and better now. <laughs> you have it. It yeah. exists. I have it. And it's, it's better now than it has been in years past. Cause I understand that if we start to create barriers between ourselves and caregivers, then we can no longer serve the patient. So you have to yeah. kind of juggle both. Yep. But at the end of the day, if I get like a formal complaint from a caregiver and we have to do an administrative review, or we refer to as our patient advocacy, uh, patient advocacy process. Um, I really like when everything is just process. Yeah. You know, where it's like, I didn't really like that. I, you know, got a phone call 10 minutes late. I yeah. understand. I absolutely understand that it is unacceptable. We say when we have hospitalized patients that we have callback times and it, we have an hour window on either side. So really we have a two hour gap when we do our phone calls. Yep. So we should have ample opportunity to plan for this call. And if we miss that mark, no, I absolutely agree that that was unacceptable, but I'm not going to allow you to disparage me to the point that it's going to affect my self-worth yep. and I'm not going to allow it to negatively impact the other coworkers that I work with because yeah, yeah. it, it, it was a process failure. But again, we have our, our juggling kind of the, between quantity and quality. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where, you know, like I said, I think that's a pretty good mark, you know, in almost 10 K cases to not mm -hmm. have a ton written. Mm -hmm. um, but we, again, like you said, we're willing to accept any feedback and then prioritize the trend. Right. You know, it's the same thing with our 515 reports with our staff internally on the education system is the 515 reports are, let's look at this stuff every week. Let's get feedback from the staff. And where are we starting to have barriers? Where are we starting to fail? And let's start to address it when it starts to become kind of a really squeaky wheel, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, you have that expectation on quality and quantity that yeah. quality is always going going to drop when you go up in quantity. So you anticipate for it and you mark, you know, minimize it and mm -hmm. you just mitigate and then basically plan for it. And then the plan you have for the decrease in qual uh, quality that you're planning on institute that solution day one, right? Assume you have already failed, yep. figure the solution, institute the solution yeah. day one. So you're already ahead. Right, right. Um, a part of the traction process too is you're kind of talking about the 515 is setting yeah. a scorecard. So that actually sure. does that for you, right? So it, it's um, it, it's not really in the I side. I forgot but about the scorecard. I don't yeah. think we ever. I don't think we ever use. We it. don't really use it in house because yeah. we actually kind of operate more gut feeling. To Ish, be but we also yeah. have the advocacy judgment process, and we 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 have our rules as yeah. to kind of what what everything is. Uh, patient yeah. wait times is a is kind of a good one too, just as oh. a as a rolling like yeah, how's the day? 
going for yeah. uh, actually this last uh, weekend. I was talking with Dr. Uh, Dane about like yeah. how the day kind of yeah, went as yeah. I was leaving. He's like, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> like no one had more than a one hour wait and like all of our patients were treated well. And like, it was yeah. a really good Saturday, but it was like, man, we just could have, we just could have done better. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Get, and, get it onto a 45 minute wait. Time, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Or, or just, you know, whatever it might yeah, be. There yeah, was just yeah. something about the day, whatever. And with, but with all of that, like we have a pretty good understanding of where we are trying to create uh, high quality. Yeah, the value. Yeah, where, where is yep. our value yep. coming from? For, yep. And then for some people, if you don't have a good understanding of that, like just get it all out there. Just, just, yeah. and that's what that scorecard development process yeah. kind of is. Yeah. Um, however, us having a significantly uh, even if it isn't written down, we have a very good definition of value where we're trying to put it. And then, and a prioritization within that. Yeah. And, and again, that has come from many different yeah. ways, right? Like, but I, I know that a big part of it is the fact that we've lived on triage for yeah. years. I think honestly, I mean, at the end of the day, when you, if you were going to completely boil down quality to one variable, and if that one variable is going to touch everything, yeah. I think it's time. It took too much time to run that diagnostic. It, I had to send that test out to a reference lab yeah. where I could have done that in-house, you know, because okay. so, our inability. So let's just say one of those clinics you have where um, they don't have in-house blood work and they have to send like you have bring in a same day sick, sick yep. cat, run blood work. Well, we're just going to have to wait and then um, get that result tomorrow. Right. Right. So that time variable, you are no longer able to effectively serve the patient and you mm -hmm. can't educate the caregiver because you're delaying it by a whole day. And then when the next day rolls around, you have a half a dozen diagnostic callbacks on the patients you saw yesterday, which are conflicting with the appointments that you have today. Right. And then that's starting to push off your appointments. So just deal with it the same day. So time is one significant variable. What's the wait time on a Saturday? Right. You know, and it's, if you guys told me that the wait time was 45 minutes and it actually took an hour before I talked to someone 90 minutes before I talk to someone, it's like, well, you told me this and a time element is that. So, but again, I think, you know, we can boil it all down to time, like the scheduled time, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again, so I think if, if we focus on one of the biggest barriers to quality is our effective use of patient time and caregiver time, I would say that would be one of the biggest ways to increase quality and maintain it. I would argue though, and this is, this is me riffing and it probably would, is going to go way too far so i apologize in <laughs> advance but but time is similar to the amount of money that people spend also there is a perception of value yeah. with the amount of time that they are ultimately given yes so if you are super efficient yes. we've had this yes. actually as a negative correct uh, feedback yes in that um this consult I, I waited two hours you know i waited an hour for a three minute consultation on a laceration sure it's like well yeah Right. Because it's like, how did this happen? You know, what, what happened? Right. All this sort of stuff. And, sew and, it up and send you home with drugs. Right, right. Pretty straightforward. That's why it's a little bit less expensive from a, an yeah. exam and consultation perspective. Yeah, it is less. Yep. Um, all that stuff. It, it, but either way, like not to say that all of those should be three minutes or, or whatever. And I'm not saying that that was the right way to handle that one. However, that person that provided that feedback was actually, they felt like they were shorted. Sure. Right. Just because of a time element, yeah. Ju just because of the fact that this person didn't sit in front of me for the amount of time that I deemed appropriate uh, without sure. actually communicating it. Right. And therefore, I'm going to just, you know, say that that I wasn't it wasn't to the level that I expected. 
exclusively from a time allocation sure. perspective, sure. which is weird because for us, it's like, well, it was most efficient. We were trying to push yeah. as yeah. push speed, yeah. not necessarily, and I should say push efficiency. Yeah, because I mean, if you hit informed consent, right? right. Like there's opportunity for questions at every mark and going right. over discharge meds and when you recheck and here's some stuff in writing and here's what's the stuff to look out for and all those yeah. different things. Like, yeah. yeah, I would just be curious on why the like three minutes versus 13 like what the hell would but that's the thing is like yeah. there it's it's kind of an arbitrarily yeah. set number by each individual yeah. and it can also be based on how well you communicate kind of looking at those two barriers yeah. right how well are you handling barrier number one yeah. to get to the point of getting over actually serving the patient yeah, yeah. like are you in uh, are you getting to the point where this person is unified on your patient care team and trusting you right so right. that you can ultimately be accountable to the patient yes yeah, right collectively yep, right yep. Mm-hmm. it's it, i was actually just thinking about that the other day and i was like how does how do i get this to come up and it's 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 absolutely yeah. that where there yeah. is a weird uh, t- I, I always like to think about time uh, as the most valuable resources any, that anybody oh, has because it's the only thing you can't get back absolutely you make more money can't make you, more time you cannot make more time <laughs> no, no. Uh, no, so, so with no. all of that, that's, it's kind of funny yeah. that that comes up, but, yeah. um, but no, no, I think that's a, that's, and I guess getting back to how we kind of split off on this a little bit was yeah. just saying like, you know, if we're trying to increase availability, we're trying to increase affordability. Mm-hmm. Like if you increase availability, so even if you look at the quality and, uh, quantity type diagram, yep. there is an availability component to it. Yeah. Um, and an affordability component to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think coming coming back to it, um, at least in a, in a circle kind of way, is saying how, 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 yeah. not just yes, I want to, it's the how. How is it that we can increase quantity and increase quality both at the same time concurrently, find the people who can actually do that effectively, minimize the number of complaints that we're getting on either process or patient care, um, but then also have it where the services are completely affordable, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then available 24 hours a day with no uptick charge after hours. Right. That's the perfect scenario. Yeah. Um, and it, it comes down from training of personnel to having the education system to make sure that they are being accountable to their own learning in that whole process. Um, and I think, I mean, Annie even went as far as to even teach triage, like we're developing, or she is more than we, but she, like developing a triage game, yeah. you know, just yep. as an exercise for us to try to say, hey, we have, you know, these 15 different appointments and there's all these different players between mm-hmm. the medical support and clear, you know, a, a caregiver support and all that. Um, but, you know, yep. when we look at the how is it's incredibly multifaceted. Yeah. So you have to look at these as being growing pains, you know, having that growth mindset and not allowing the failures to essentially set back that growth. Yeah. Um, it's just another opportunity to grow. It's got to be actually my favorite part about training people because mm-hmm. I was actually recently with the new hire was oh, doing sure. that just the other day and I was like I'm gonna we're gonna flip through this 80 page book of stuff that <laughs> we expect you to do and, and to right. do well and understanding yeah. that this book is here for when you forget because you're gonna forget yeah like it takes it. it takes a long time to yeah. absorb this information and it changes yeah. and all that sort of stuff and I looked right at her I was like and you're going to fail uh, one of my favorite ones is isolation protocol right oh, sure. like everyone screws up yeah. ISO once yeah and I'm yeah. like, you, like I'm just warning you that it's okay. Like right. You're you're more than allowed right. to fail. 
don't do that one twice in the same day, preferably, because right. yeah, you're not going to like it. If you have an unvaccinated puppy blowing bloody diarrhea all over the lobby, just, you get one. You get one. <laughs> you get one. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but it, it was funny because, you know, she's, I mean, at that point, total hours exposure to our clinic was less than 24. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, you're going to screw up. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with it as long yeah. as you're okay with it. Right. Like, let's just, we're just going to, we're going to see the fact that you, like, I, I can predict your mistakes, hence an 80-page book, right. yes. and we can do our best. But at, at the end of the day, you're going to screw it up. And, yeah. I mean, not That's what you just said. Like, I'm okay with it, and you have to be okay with it. R- right. that, that's the whole part, though, yeah. is that if you don't have that mindset where the barrier is you're in an environment where it's not okay to fail, yeah. or the barrier is you as an individual in your own brain space uh, can't fail then yeah. this isn't going to work right because we've already planned that we're going to wake up today and i'm already a failure right you know it's not self-hating and self-flagellation it's no. like no we're like no it's just i can do better today right i actually i was having that thought yesterday it was like yes I, i'm better today than i was yesterday and i'm gonna be better tomorrow yes i get i just yes. have to wake up today mm-hmm. and be like how am i gonna be better tomorrow yep. and how am i gonna get there yep. in one way shape or form yep. it's gonna happen yeah, and something Right. So it could be something completely arbitrary. But a big part of that, too, comes with the fact that it's like it, maybe it maybe it's just my own internal drive uh, to push more towards quality. Right. Or, sure. or to push towards quantity, put like uh, to believe in everything that's in front of us here to ultimately serve the patient is is the perception of value in yeah. the time in the way that I'm spending my time. Because, again, yeah. ultimately, the only thing I can't get back is time. Yes. Am I spending it well? Yep. And, you know, for some people doesn't really fit. Right. Right. Yeah. Some, and, yeah. and I, I can, yeah. I can be empathetic towards it. I don't understand it and yeah. I don't agree with it. Yeah. But the idea of, you know, if you have the mindset where what you're doing today has no value, do something different. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get, that doesn't even fucking compute, compute with me. Right. Yeah, I don't even, but it's a very real problem. And I think, yeah. you know, it, when we had talked about the, the people that left, for quick trip, oh, yeah, right? Quick trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they had zero perception of value yeah. in anything that they were doing. Yeah. So looking ten years out, as a rule, like I'm not expecting anybody to have the plan to get to the success point ten years later because we only have a limited set of variables mm-hmm. today. Like mm-hmm. understand where you want to go and be willing to adjust and and but but ultimately know what it is that's valuable to you and figure out at least to the best of your ability, how to take the next step towards it. So you can see the next stepping stone that's in front of you yeah. and ask if you don't exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way that we have stressed that system and actually put kind of our people through the fire a little bit, yeah. availability yes. and affordability. Like yeah. you're going to see more of it. You're going to yep. have higher volume yep. to create high quality. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see who falls off. We're going to see how well you can handle the heat. Uh, and and that can be tough for some people. And that's the other part of the training thing that I, that I tell people even from interview number one, it's like we have, and we've talked about it within our education system, like zero tier zero, tier one, tier two, you're going to have these jumping off points because you're going to start to realize how hot this fire can get. Right. And if you can't handle it, mm-hmm. rather than you just banging your head against a wall and right. reali- and just thinking that you're providing no value to this system or to yeah. yourself, it, 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 it just go find value somewhere else. Yeah. It's fine. Like, Yeah, and that's one of my biggest... Uh, uh, 
one of the things that actually frustrates me the most is when in our organization, people don't value what their job actually is. Yeah. And I, I still think to this day, the caregiver support role is like the highest value position in our practice. <laughs> like it's first and last point of contact. Right. Like, and even, I mean, even I was talking to um, Janessa about this the other day, uh, I think she was over for dinner or whatever it is. It was like exactly that. She was like, Oh my God. She was like, if we, if we didn't have a competent front end staff, she's like, that would be it. Yeah. That would be the end of this practice is right. if we didn't have a competent front end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we right. <laughs> have an, in, right. a, an individual. Having a, we have a moment. Of yes. Yeah. We have a, an individual who's no longer with our organization. Right. Right. Who, Just yeah. a, a lack of competence leading to a lack of yeah. perceived value and, yeah. and ultimately like being provided the opportunity to yeah. succeed, yeah. To, the Some opportunity to, to fail yeah. and the opportunity to succeed. And I, and ultimately the, the barrier was, was not, was not truly defined. However, it was very realized. Correct. And it's like, all right, like you just need to go do something somewhere else because you don't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. The the break point for me on that individual was hearing that she referred to her job as bitch work. Yeah. That was, that was, that was a tough one for me to fucking swallow. Like I'm still mad about it, Yeah, you know, and I I, I get that way and I understand I need to let things go. That's the uh, release type of forgiveness. Yes. Um, Yes. You know, but it's, it's, it, uh, yeah. But it's that, you know, kind of looking at some of the other graphs too, right? The major cultural risk. Major. Because you look at, think about that concept from an industry-wide perspective, right? If you have that mindset on a pervasive level as that one was, for uh, uh, within a clinic structure that you have a veterinarian with limited self-worth, a technician who's five years into the seven-year exit, right. and a medical support staff person who just feels like they clean shit all day long, <laughs> and then this person comes in and is even of like a high potential, oh, yeah. but just performs like crap because yeah. they don't think they have a- any sort of value. It's like, what is that person going to do from a cultural perspective? It's just going to be that anchor that yeah. sinks everybody. Yeah, everyone, yeah. It, Who's, who's already probably everyone else is already teetering at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. So like it, you're not, you can't expect the remainder of the crew to hold you up. Right. Like you're too heavy right. for somebody who's on such shaky ground anyways. Yeah, and yeah. Um, one of the things that I think I, I really want to talk about on here too, and maybe we'll do next week is the idea of the, the I always call it emotional currency. So basically, I don't think I've ever actually talked to you about this. I know I've talked to Annie about it. The idea that you put in to the group more than you take out. Mm. Because if you walk into a scenario with a good attitude and you're trying to put in, you leave your stuff at the door, right? All this. And you're just putting in, you're making the decision like I'm going to contribute today. You're adding to the middle. Whereas if you walk in with a crap attitude and you're just drawing off of somebody else, yeah. like they're only going to receive, they're, like they might be putting in yeah. and you might be taking out, but the likelihood is you're taking out more and yeah. ultimately everyone goes down. Yeah. And like, I, yeah, that's pretty much the whole idea. Yeah. But no, I like it. I but like realizing it. Yeah. it as essentially something like you put this in today, like yeah. you show up, you put in today, yeah. that's your value. Yeah. And the way that you do that on multiple fronts um, can be very easily realized. Yeah. However, you have to be ready, willing, and able to do it. Yeah. And I don't think, honestly, just, just hearing you kind of talk about that, um, it won't take long. It won't take, <clears throat> it won't take long to sort of put positivity or put energy or put, you know, some type of support into the group, whether you want to, you know, like you said, the emotional currency component. Yeah. Um, 
before it just starts to overwhelm and it starts like your interactions are going to be so much more positive mm -hmm. across the board. Like mm -hmm. people are going to see you're not taking, right. They're going to see you're putting, right. You know, and I think that's, uh, with, uh, one of our, um, caregiver support. I mean, like with Shelby, when I was telling her, you know, uh, Shelbert, you know, I, I'm like, you know, it's like, no, just have a high self worth, have high self value, understand your environment where we want you to succeed. Like just keep taking that. And she, oh, she's like, I don't know. I just wish mm -hmm. I could. I wish I could. It's like, just, fucking try it you know <laughs> like because as soon as you start to do it it starts to bleed out right it's you know like using with emotional currency it's like if you just come you leave you check your shit at the door you come in with positivity and just maintaining positivity like it, it sure you can have a bad day that's fine we all have bad days you know mm -hmm. but that's the whole idea of putting in yeah. is if you're making a deposit you can certainly make a withdrawal right you just can't make more withdrawals than you right. are deposits yep. um but that's where i think start you start to look at the trust and unity and so on and so forth is um if you see where someone's continuing to pull away from that energy or from that bank mm -hmm. um it's going to affect the core values and the unity of the team mm -hmm. you know and mm -hmm. it's it's you know, everyone everyone has it bad everywhere right, right. if you have the victim mentality mm -hmm. but basically all you're saying is like just be a creator just be a coach exactly be a challenger. Yeah. yeah be in that empowerment dynamic and and that's really it and and just, but having like i literally wanted to have coins at one point it's where it's like just give me the wooden nickel that I'm putting in today, right? Because yeah. because if you're a consistent one that puts in, like yeah. the day that you are in a crap, like it's yeah. just it's overwhelming you, and you need to take one out. Everyone's gonna look at you, be like, you know what? You go ahead, go ahead. Sure. Today you can have this one, yeah. And then tomorrow you're gonna show up. And you're probably gonna put it back in. Mm. It, it's oh so, my god! Can we also then just give it to people? It's like the Snickers bar. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you're not you when you're in a crap mood. Here's yeah. a wooden nickel. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but but again, the reason that that comes up and thinking about failure and quantity and quality is if you have a, a defined set of variables that create quality, yeah. you're pushing systems to increase quantity. Yeah. Um, and then you have a culture that allows for failure and you have a set of people because of that that are willing to put in and try and become better each day yep. like ultimately it's all going to breed right back yeah. to increased quality yep right mm -hmm. and then over time as you said as quality increases it doesn't matter how much you market quantity is going to increase it's going to happen i.e us yeah how much marketing happened in the last three years yeah very very limited amounts yeah limited Li very limited and, yep. and it's just in in two years of two two times over growth in mm -hmm. exclusively ca uh caseload yeah so i think even that i mean even for us to be at nine like i think when we took over in 2015 like i think we we're at like maybe Two and a half, three. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, you know, it, it was like it was, like, was, like, was forty five hundred two years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like yeah, yeah. yeah it was like ten a day or something. Not that a was lot. In the full twenty four hours. It was ten. Well, at that time it was nights and weekends, but but still, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a significant increase with yeah. zero marketing. Yeah, because right. it was quality first. All yeah. right, available, affordable, yeah. culture push, which is why yeah. we've spent hours and hours yeah. and hours on culture. Yep. And then all and then we then you start to look at some of the mechanics to make that happen even better from an affordability perspective, Absolutely. which we'll talk about more within process. Yeah. And like all of this stuff and that's why the understanding of the interconnectivity of all of these things is so important yep. because if you're missing on one of those, yep. it's it's same as our core values and having the four. Like if you're missing on one, it's going to detract from all other components that are in that system. Yep. So, 
yes, go out and try. Yes, try the next thing. Yes, continue to improve. However, realize that you're going to fail and you're going to see where the other, you know, like I would the, metaphorically, you're, you're going to, the ship's going to pop holes. Oh, yeah. Like, are you going to fix the hole? Or are you going to put the bubble gum in it? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And for us, it's like, okay, repair yeah. it and just yeah. real and just be on the lookout for the next one. Oh yeah. See no. your stress points. Yeah. Try to get in front of it. Industry as a whole, we're just bailing water. We're just we're not bailing water. We're fixing the holes. We're just bailing it. Well, exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, t- that doesn't work. No. It, and that's the industry's dead. Yeah. Right. The industry's yeah. sinking. Yeah. It's, it is. Right. Yeah. There's the, no one's moving west. All the ships are sinking. Yeah. All the we could talk about all the metaphors. Fire. Yeah. The tornadoes running. Yeah. yeah. It's all those. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, at least to kind of wrap things up a bit, th- that's it. That's yeah. the story yeah. is that, um, you know, the kind of the, the break points of quantity and quality and availability and affordability. I mean, I think this being probably one of our better transition type um, podcasts to get over into process yeah. is it's a lot of this. It's it's how are we focusing on availability? How are we staffing availability? How are we not getting burnt out on availability? Mm-hmm. You know, and how are we not, or how are we staffing quantity and not getting burnt out on quantity or getting burnt out on quality? Um, you know, affordability is very uh, mechanical as well, you know, mm-hmm. you know but again, affordability bleeds out into customer service mm-hmm. you know just like how we started this conversation it's like why are you kicking out an extra hundred dollars for an exam on a patient that you're already in the clinic for again 3 a.m it makes sense if i'm getting my ass out of bed to drive into the clinic like i'm gonna have to probably charge a bit more because mm-hmm. i wasn't already at the clinic there's travel time you mm-hmm. know if i have to call a technician in you know right. whatever it is there right. is there are added, real expenses there are realized. actual expenses there yeah. um which not to say that there aren't expenses whatever is in the clinic anyway but to then somehow disparage because our policy is on schedule yeah the system's dead right let it go start to embrace a walk-in type you know process where you're available you're affordable you have good quality and you can handle the quantity mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty much it and then we can start to talk about how to get people out of these major corporate structures that are living in big cities and why people can't recruit yes yes <laughs> but that's for another day yeah. <laughs> right right yes so, so all right well i think that's a good place to end it uh well i i know we are definitely going to elaborate on these topics as we move into yeah, the next several sure. months i mean even to get into our star chart i mean as we move through that all of this stuff is there so all right guys thanks for listening take care